Ace Podcast. Hey guys, we're actually gonna do the night Evelyn came out of the grave tonight. What a twist! Blood and Black Rum Podcast presents The Night Evelyn Came Out of the Grave. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from MoonsDeadWorld.net. I'm joined by my co-host, co-host Martin. How's it going? And um, we are coming to you with The Night Evelyn Came Out of the Grave. We poked a little bit of fun at ourselves in the intro to this uh, podcast episode uh, because we, we promised that we would do this uh, episode a couple weeks ago. Almost a month. Yep. And then we kind of had it put off. We had to skip a part of it because Martin was sick. Then we did, um, well, I think we did Leprechaun 2. Leprechaun 2 because it was uh, St. Patty's Day. Um, so, yeah, we postponed it a little bit, but we're back with it. When we say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. God damn it. Um, so we've been doing a lot of horror movies of late. Like, this is our third in a row. It's not normally the case for us because we kind of, like, jump back and forth. I don't is Leprechaun 2 really a horror movie? Yeah, it is considered a horror movie, a yeah, horror sure. comedy, but... Mm. Yeah, I mean, I know that it's you wouldn't necessarily... Such a, such, a, such a loose use of the word. It is, yeah, but it's in the same way that you would classify, like, Shaun of the Dead as a horror movie, but it's also a comedy. That actually has some legitimate creepy parts in it, though. Yeah, the horror doesn't necessarily mean that it's creepy. It can just be... Based on a monster or something. That's what Leprechaun 2 is. It's based on a monster. Mythological figure. I consider it a horror movie. may not be scary to you or anybody <laughs> for that matter, but it's a it's a horror movie. Uh, but this, uh, The Night Evelyn Came Out of the Grave, or as I like to refer to it, uh, Lenoche Evelyn Uski Dalatamba, because I just like that. Or tits. Yeah. I just they like... Should, they should just call it tits. Uh, they should. Red, redhead. Oh no, this one. Red, differ- this one differentiates tits. from uh, other jallos. It's redheaded tits specifically. That's this right. One. Yeah. Well, I like that Italian name that they <clears throat> that it this is its original name. But the night Evelyn came out of the grave is also intriguing in its own way. It's a mouthful. It is a mouthful, but that's not uncommon for most Italian jallo films. Uh, Why well, no? Because we was like, what have you done? Where, yeah, what have you done? Solange uh, is also a mouthful. Solange doesn't even come into the film until the end of the film. So and it's an awkward name, and it well, is. at least for us, uh, yeah, American people, yeah. Solange not really that common. Um, your vice is a locked room, and I and only I have the key. There's another one. That, that sounds like an emo band. Well, that's not, that sounds like a band that would have like been noodling away listening <laughs> to like. Uh, you know, American football back in like 2002, and like just like, yeah, let's, we got. This. But but Jallos have a couple like they. I I tend to enjoy their titles. I think they're intriguing because they're not just things like the burning. No, that's true. The wick, like you know the, what I mean, wicker. like the uh, the haunting. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because a lot of the bands I like have the and something. And a friend of mine in college did point out like. Like right, like if there's a band that has the word "the" in front of it, you probably like them. Exactly, like that. That does tend to bother <laughs> me as well. Like there's a band that's called Stars, 
and they they do make some good indie music, but I never want to listen to them because it's like you fucking named yourself Stars. This like the most unintriguing name ever. So and that's and I am drawn to that stuff. Like I like the Tony Danza tap dance extravaganza. I was drawn to it because of the name and. It's just, so you would like a band like Giraffes Giraffes. I like Giraffes Giraffes. <laughs> Math Rock. Yeah, absolutely. I do like Giraffes. Yeah, but it's I've not never Giraffes listened. Giraffes. I, it's Giraffes question mark. No, I Giraffes. No. Sex. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. That's why I said Giraffes Giraffes. Yeah. But um, I never listen. I've never listened. I just know like we were one night, again, going back to college, one night we were looking up like weird band names. This is like on this, that same discussion that day. And that was the one we stumbled across. Mm-hmm. So it was like, ooh. I, I do like Giraffes Giraffes. It's funny. Um. But in true Jalo fashion, uh, the night Evelyn came out of the grave is uh, pretty reminiscent of a lot of other Jalo films. But at the same time, it's also very different. And back in our other podcast when we did what um, What have you done to Solange, we talked about how some people call what have you done to Solange like a very um, different film in the Jalo series. And if you remember, I said I don't really think it's that different. I. In terms of what happens and the um, ideas and themes that occur in that film, it's really not that much different from any other Jello film that you may be able to think of. Like, there's a killer, he's got black gloves, it, not, you don't get to see from that perspective, there's a secret you don't know about till the end. The Night Evelyn Came Out of the Grave, I think particularly, is a very different style of Jello film from those others. Well, seeing as right now, this is my third Jalo film. Right. Because the other two we've reviewed, T- Tenebrae included. Yep. Um, I will say, com- when I was wa- saw- after I saw Solange, comparing it to Tenebrae, I, did- I thought it had like a lot of the same undercurrents and, you know, style, themes and styles that, you know, went along with Tenebrae. And I would say the same thing with this. I think um, this film... Has is the same too. It has a lot of the same, like s- cinematography style. Yes. Same same themes. Same kind. Same like overarching plots. But I will say the kind of different. The difference in this one compared to the other two, though, I wouldn't say like it's different enough to where you would separate it from probably the genre as a whole. And again, this is me speak, speaking as the layperson here. Um, it's the supernatural. Um, yeah, tinge to it, and right? The, and the gothic tinge to it is what yes, makes, yeah. is what makes it different. And I, like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider that making it like, oh, it's like an anti jail or it's I'm no, not, no, right, it's, yeah. no, it's it's, it's jail, but then it's adding something else. Absolutely, onto it. yeah, yeah. Like this is um is very like a combination film. It's a jello, but it's also sort of like a hammer horror gothic style film. Like you, this would not be out of place in. Hammer's like a, uh, a, a, as well. If Hammer did like a whodunit. Right, exactly. It's not. It's not really that out of place for them either. So um, the director, Emilio Miraglia, um, who has done quite a few uh, uh, styles of film in the Jalo uh, style, I, I should say, has done films in the Jalo style, um, he is melding those two things, like gothic, gothic romance and eroticism for one thing, and Jello, and that's sort of eroticism as well, into a story that also combines supernaturality in it. Like, that's not very common for either of those two things, like a, a general gothic murder mystery in a castle, um, 
or a Jalo <laughs> film. They, just, they don't really mix those ghostly things. It's a, it's a dark, ver- it's a dark Italian version of Scooby Doo. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty <laughs> much. Um, and the, it's it, what's interesting is that Emilio Miraglia he has often done a lot of films. Er, he has done films that are about like women and stronger female characters. Um, like this one focuses mostly on a woman figure that is the 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 main crux of the film and uh, actually it's it's interesting because this was released by arrow video in a killer dames collection which is, has two emilio maraglia films and the other one's the red queen kills seven times talk about a mouthful there's another <laughs> one that is pretty much a mouthful but um so it's it's uh it's certainly maraglia's uh um style i guess i would say uh and if you haven't heard me talk about this film before like when we were uh, covering uh, other episodes and we kind of talked about how we were going to do the night Evelyn came out of the grave I do really like this film a lot um I saw it probably five or six years ago and I was really intrigued by it um and actually I was on a huge yellow kick at the time and uh I really liked it I definitely didn't see it in this quality because uh, Arrow has done a really good job restoring this film to a nice um very colorful um, vibrant film, um, but but it was definitely intriguing at the time, and I still really really enjoy watching it. Even though, which we'll get into a little bit later, I can certainly see why a lot of people would not like this film, like at all. Um, which we can get into in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, first, though, I want to take a break before we talk about the night Evelyn came out of the grave in detail to talk about what we're drinking today because we're finishing up. The Guinness, uh, what, what what was that called? Irish pack or something like that? Like, I don't know. They're always Irish, but yeah, <laughs> it's like, like a Guinness specialty pack. Like, yeah, just like it's our mix. Here's a mix yeah, of different here's a, shit. Here's a mixed one. And, and in uh, previous episodes, we had covered their experimental porters, ones that they don't generally do at all. At least I mean, around here. Yeah, they've, I, I've, I've never I, seen I, them before. I've never heard of them until... This year. Yeah. So we did the the two porters that they had in the previous episode. And before that, we did just the regular straight Guinness, which we didn't have super kind things to say about it. Uh, but today we have the Guinness Foreign Extra. In last episode, we talked a little bit about our experience with the Foreign Extra. We had it. I haven't had it in a quite a while. It's, I don't know about you. It's but, been like five, six years. Yeah, it's been that. a while. But um, we had remembered that we really enjoyed it at that time when we had it. Um, I actually remember having it at your house one mm-hmm. time. Um, that may have been the first time I had had it and, I uh, really enjoyed it at that time and cracking into it today. I got to say that it brought back a flood of nostalgic memories and I really do enjoy this. This is a great beer. This is a great stout. It is. Um, this, as you said, this is what Guinness should just be. Like every time you get a Guinness, this is what it should be. Yeah. Not even the extra stout, which is in the pack, which I do... Well, I remember when I first, and we haven't reviewed the extra stout. Maybe when you know, sometime down the road, we will. But the extra stout, I remember liking it. But then, like after like coming back to it a couple times, I'm like, it's, yeah, it's okay, it's I mean, okay. It's, but this, this is the foreign extra is really. It's got a nice uh, malty bitterness to it, but it's also got a nice full body, creamy, great mouthfeel. I, I, it's, it's. I would say that. Like we said before with the regular Guinness, that is very, like, flat tasting. It doesn't have much of a flavor at all. It's kind of just there, very um, 
I don't know, like, it doesn't really stand out. It, Bud Light of stouts. Yeah, it's, there's nothing that stands out about it. It's not very flavorful. Well, the foreign extra is like the complete opposite of that. It's It's got a heavy flavor profile to it. And I really like it. And, and and it's very drinkable, too. It's not, you know, just because it's got, like, a nice, like, maltiness, coffee, and toffee undertones to it, which aren't, are there, but they're not, like, very strong. No. Uh, but it's nice. And, again, the mouthfeel on it is very good. It is not, it's, you're not going to come away with this thinking it's as creamy as it gets because it doesn't have the nitro, would you? No, but, it's not a nitro, yeah. But it does have a certain, like, creaminess to it. Which makes it, like, you know, a very drinkable, enjoyable stout. Yeah, I I would absolutely just buy a 12-pack of this. They don't, unfortunately. I know, they don't they make only, it. I think they only have, they only, I've only ever seen it in the four-packs. Four-packs, yeah. Which is, you know. I would, But I would absolutely buy a 12-pack of this in, in, mm. in place of regular Guinness. Yeah, no, I would too. Or if it was on tap, I absolutely. Can ima- I can only imagine how wonderful it'd be on tap. I know. Be like, oh, thank you for... Speaking of Guinness on Tap, did you see uh, Paul Ryan getting a whole bunch of shit for his pour of Guinness when he w- on St. Patrick's Day? No, I did not. I didn't even know he would bother. After. Yeah, they did a in, little in, in between taking away poor people's mo- uh, <laughs> money and um, and cross- giving a PowerPoint presentation and about cr- terrible health care and CrossFit. <laughs> um, yeah, no, yeah, he had, he had a, yeah, uh, no, yeah, you know, Guinness is, you know, now I think about it, it's kind of high in calories. He'd have to work extra hard. Yeah, he probably, day. yeah, that, well, that's the thing. The Guinness, <laughs> the, so he had a Guinness on St. Patty's Day and he, he like held it up, you know, normal, like, oh, uh, you know, look across the horizon sort of thing. Is there any Irish people really to like play to that base in Wisconsin? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know if there is really. Yeah. <laughs> It's, I mean, not, it's not like he's, like, from, like, Boston, or it's, like, you know, Ben Affleck sitting there. Come on, you bastard. You know? <laughs> but the biggest thing with that is that it wasn't a full uh, pint, really. It looked very, like, it wasn't to the brim whatsoever. And also, it had a poor head on it. And people really called him out for that. And, I mean, I realized that Paul Ryan did not pour that beer. Someone else did, and it of probably course. had been sitting around. Of course. he He's not going to bother with that he's he's above he's above pouring his well then you know what people referred to obama who they said did the guinness right (laughs) they showed pictures of him with a nice foamy mustache and you know celebrating in the bars going behind the the uh bar to see how a bartender would appropriately pour the guinness and really they should have just learned from conan (laughs) because <laughs> he knows the correct way to have a Guinness. He knows how to steal his Guinness. That's right. <laughs> it's just interesting. I wanted to bring that up because we've been covering Guinness in the past, the previous few episodes, and uh thought it was interesting. You know, we should um, title these the Guinness series. You know, we normally title them by movies, but this is actually the Guinness series. All right, let's, let's not do We've that. been covering all four of the Guinnesses in this pack, so... Anything else that you've been having lately that you want to talk about for beer? Um, just this uh, Saranac Pale Ale too. Pale Ale squared. Wow, you got to say it correctly. Oh, I didn't know that's what they were going. For. Yeah, they're going for like squared because it's got like a additional. Wow, oh, I didn't. Read... It's hot to be squared on the label. Oh. So that's it's right. Like, oh yeah, it's just like an IPA. What do you? Yeah, I mean, basically, I've had a couple of them. 
I mean, they don't really stand out to me as like. I mean, I I enjoy Serenex Pale Ale. I think it's a really good pale ale. It's a good. It's a good. Uh, it's not too overwhelming. Right. I think that this now Pale Ale Squared is basically like them doubling down, making it into an IPA. Um, it's really not much. It like there's nothing like I would pr- probably prefer just a regular pale ale. No, I would too. All I'm getting from this um, is it's hoppier on the front, but it's got like a weird watery taste at the end. Eric, you want to try end. the you want to try the one and then the the squared? Yeah, just give them a go. Well, and yeah, no, that's what taste. Test. That's like what I'm getting is like off the first. Yeah, hold on. Taste testing. <laughs> so I just took a sip of the regular Saranac pale ale. It's one of my favorite pale ales, actually. Mm-hmm. I think we've said that a thousand times on here, but it's got like a nice little slight multi sweetness to it, and then nice hoppiness, balanced perfectly. It's what I would like from an I mean from a pale ale. Yeah, because we've said before on here, too many pale ales that have been coming out are just way too overly hopped. Yeah. Overly hopped, and it's what's the point? Like even though I like Sierra Nevada's pale ale, it's not to me. It's not pale ale. It's because it's just so damn hoppy. Yeah. Um. Now he's trying the pale ale squared. Yeah, it's definitely got more of a hoppy bitterness to it. That I would say is more like an IPA, and you don't really get a malt sweetness from it. You get like a kind, of, like I said, like a wateriness to it at the back end. So it's kind of like hops and then like crisp water. Yeah. So it's uh like a weird, like a weird. Like an IPA, but it's kind of diluted. Yeah. So it's like, it's an IPA, but we like, you know, cut it with water to like dilute it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't super impressed with it. I think that it was, I mean, it's okay. I I don't know. I think I would rather just have their legacy or the, yeah, pale, the, ale. Legacy or the pale ale. I mean, I don't really know the reasoning behind the pale ale squared. It's nothing, it's nothing to write home about. Doesn't say in here what hops they use for this. Yeah, I'm not even sure. It's, I mean, there's it's there's a label at the top, but I don't think they yeah, actually no, it just say. Yeah, no, it just says tropical. Fruit yeah, and yeah. The, so uh, I was gonna say, what's the IBU difference on it? Probably, I don't. Do they list IBUs on theirs? They do on the square. The squared's uh 45. Mm. Uh, I don't think it says. It doesn't say on the pale ale. So I mean, even that though, the IBUs aren't that really that high on the pale ale mm. squared. Interesting. It, kind of, it makes me wonder why they put the Pale Ale Squared in the Irish pack. Yeah, it's kind of strange, yeah. Because they had an Irish-style lager, an Irish dry stout, this, um, and uh, what was the last one? Irish Red Ale. Irish Red Ale. Yeah, so, so it is a weird choice. Well, Maybe I, they just wanted to put it in there as mm-hmm. like their new beer. and Yeah, put something hoppy in there. <laughs> God forbid. All right, so let's move on to tonight. Evelyn came out of the grave because I do have quite a bit to say about it. You probably do too. It's the first time seeing it. Um, do you want to start things off? What'd you think? Movie poster has nothing to do with this film. No, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. It really does not. The only thing that it really does is that it's the corpse of Evelyn with the red hair. That's pretty much it. That dude that it's showing looks nothing. Who like is that? <laughs> that guy's not in this film. I do like it. I think it's like it is like a cool. Like, it's an cl- eye-catching, yeah, classic '70s, you know, type of poster. But and I just find it funny. I love it when you see like movie posters that have like absolutely nothing yeah. to do with uh, what the film, you know, the film 
actually does or has. I honestly think that may be an American poster for it. Probably. I'm not sure. I think it probably got a different poster uh, in Italian. Um, yeah, so, like, there's one for, from the Italian poster, which actually makes sense. Yeah. Uh, straight from the film itself. Um, and I think, yeah, that was, that poster, I believe, was definitely an Americanized poster for it uh, that was put on, like, home video releases and stuff like that. Because, yeah, you can see, like, look at this horrible DVD release of this film. A very, very that poor font is DVD. Yeah. Oh my god, that very, font's... very poor DVD release. That font screams this movie's destined to be yeah. on uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. And here's another one that really does correspond to the film itself. I believe that that is like an American version of like this film's <laughs> poster. I mean, it stands out, but yeah, it definitely does not seem like it has anything to do with the film whatsoever. But looks like you're in for like a zombie fight, like yeah, yeah. Uh, like slasher movie. Yeah, that's true. It does. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, what it well, like about the film itself? What did you What you think? It was okay. Yeah. Um, I think my main gripe with it is it was just something we're gonna talk about later. Something we're saving for the tail end. But, yes. Yeah. Um, because I think that's where like my main problems with the film. Are going to be, but I'll say I think is you know again not being somebody very well versed in the realm of Jallos. I thought it was you know I did think it was entertaining um, and not a bad film, but I do think this is a film that's long in the tooth. Yeah, it's almost two hours long, not like an hour and forty five minutes. Um, I think there's about twenty minutes of this film you could cut. Yeah. Um, and I think that's gonna kind of hamper this film, especially if you're somebody who doesn't really, you know, doesn't want bullshit from your films. Because um, uh, the pacing in this film is it's one of the problems. Of it. I think at the beginning, uh, the first two thirds of this film were very slow. Yeah, and then that last act is just kind of like. Bam! Yeah, it's, it's really, you know, it really rushes to the ending. Which right? is the same thing that I said too about when we watched uh, "What Have You Done to Solange?" Because it's okay, you know, it's building and building, it's slow and plotting, which I think you know Solange as a overall, you know, did it a little, you know, better than this film. But you know, again, it's like slow and building, and all of a sudden, when you get to the third act, it's like it just goes. It goes from zero to sixty, and just like that. Yeah. Um, I th- I think what you know what it could use uh, overall as a film is just like be- just better if it cuts out some of like the bullshit that happens in this film with like its care put in air quotes fucking character development and kind of like side story. I think it would if you streamlined it a little bit more, it'd make it more enjoyable. The the length and the the pacing was what I was going to bring up when I said that I I can totally see why some people just would not like this film at all because you're right the first two thirds um are absolutely slow very plodding um very almost rhythmic in the way that they occur like they're very repetitive so in that those opening scenes you get a scene of um our main character um Alan. Lord, he's a he's basically uh, the inheritor of a castle, and um, he's very much missing his wife Evelyn, who recently passed away. 
Uh, he can't really get over it. And also he kind of blames himself because he forced her into a pregnancy and she died because of uh, a pregnancy that he thinks um, was the cause of her death. And so he has been going out on the town, finding these redheaded ladies and then bringing them back to his castle and pretty much having them reenact what he did with like his wife's style, like having her put on boots um, and then kind of torturing them <laughs> uh, for no reason other than the fact that he's like upset with himself and with Evelyn because he thinks that she was having an affair on the side, uh, which he keeps having flashbacks to. Which, Jesus Christ, the flashback of Evelyn running through the garden doesn't even look like a garden. I don't even feel like they're using the word garden because the way she's running into how like she runs is supposed to make a metaphor for like Garden of Eden. Yes, exactly. And her uh, name's Evelyn, yeah. so she's Eve. Eve yeah. yeah. Um, but like just that whole sequence of like hit like her running naked into the garden and to her mysterious potential lover and the music that plays that like Yeah. It's literally like watching a Sergio Leone like style flashback with an Ennio Morricone score. Like the like I said with Solange, the main thing because I, I think they do something like that in Solange too, right? Yeah, and uh, have like some sort of flashbacks like, like that. Yeah, like a flashback like that that's kind of paced and like set up the same way. It reminds me of like this the and I don't think Duck You Sucker is the first one to do it, but that's like what one of the first like Italian films that like. I think of when I think of that kind of like flashback. Yeah. So anytime I see that, all I can think of is just like, oh, we got, you know, uh, got to have like the lens kind of fogged up. So it gives it like this like dreamlike quality and you got to have them like running and it's like a distant memory. And then you got to have this quiet, but somber, like operatic, you know, angelic voice calling and as the flashback, it's, not that's not. Uh, I'm not saying that's a problem. This movie, but it's just like something like like, like yeah, anytime I see a, something like that, it just like makes me think back to like it's a common trope yeah. in in these styles of film, especially when the past is so important. Like this is another. This is the second Jello that we've covered. Well, really, all of them. Tenebrae two. Yeah. Um, where the past is a huge has a huge impact on what we're seeing in the film because in this case. Our main character, Alan, just cannot get over that that past. He can't get over the fact that Evelyn is gone, that she may have cheated on him, and it makes him fly into a violent rage almost for, you know, whenever he's reminded of it. So that past is really an important aspect of the film and where it goes from there with its plot. But I do, I, I totally understand how some people would think that the Night Evelyn Came Out of the Grave is a super slow film. It, and I'll agree, it re- it is uh, super slow when you're watching it and you're just kind of thinking like, why am I seeing these repetitive scenes where um, Alan brings a woman back to the castle, he kind of tortures her, and then we kind of fade out to black. Uh, learn about him being very upset about Evelyn, and then the same thing occurs again. Like, it- it's, it's not like those parts that I think necessarily bog down the film. Like, there's more, It's more like just unnecessary like, fluff scenes like the first part where he's taking that first woman home and they're in the car and you just see them driving and they pull over to have like a five minute little conversation of just like oh why are we stopping the car well i can't smoke and drive oh okay 
And he, like, tugs on her hair. Like, oh, what the fuck you do that for, creep? And he's like, oh, I thought it was a wig. And she's like, not now. Yeah. And, then, and they just have, like, a conversation for five minutes about discussing giving money to it. it like, it doesn't need to be that long. Yeah. That doesn't even need to be there. You yeah, know? there are a few scenes so, like that. Uh, a lot of conversations between the characters. It doesn't add, like, character depth to Alan. No. To, like, to show his, like, neurosis or yeah, it, anything it, like that. It's, it's Yeah, it's just... It's just there. Those parts don't, but I do feel like some of it is necessary, especially the um, relationships that he has with his cousin um, and the like how he's affected in certain ways by like Evelyn's appearance. Um, and also just showing how he does have some sort of like neuroses um, that causes him to just, whenever he even thinks about Evelyn you're almost wondering like is he really going crazy where these occurrences appear like does evelyn really appear to him is she really a ghost within the castle is she is she actually there at all or is it some sort of like figment just figment yeah that that no everyone else knows is like not real but alan just cannot get over it i think that some of that stuff is really necessary i think it does need that grounding well again i don't think like bits like that are yeah what bogged down the page again it's like it's little just like detours that just detour for the sake of detouring it i don't mind you know the conversations with like the cousin and whatnot because that's leading it leads to somewhere they go to you know like oh that's how he gets to london that's how he gets this idea right that's how he gets that um like i said it's more like these just random th- just side things that happened. That I mean, like uh, meeting the foxes. <laughs> yeah, like oh, we uh, foxes. Why? Well, I, I love animals. I just yeah, I love foxes. They're so for yeah. I would argue. I, so I just bought them. Yeah. Why? I do. Think... It's, just, it's just like again, it's there. Why? You know, someone can later, eventually, someone can die there, and, that, and that's it. <laughs> I do. Yeah, right. I think that that is kind of leading up to like here are all these. Uh, Elements that will be important to the plot later on, but you're right. Yeah, they they're kind of shoehorned in, and it doesn't always feel authentic or realistic to the actual what's happening. Um, you know, why do we need all these conversations to to see later on that the foxes will be a important part of uh, the murder and things like that? I you know I I absolutely agree. I I think that. In certain ways, the night Evelyn came out of the grave is super slow. Um, I think, I know you said you thought Solange did it better, but I do think that the night Evelyn came out of the grave is a little bit more interesting throughout simply because it has a lot of crazy tendencies. Um, it It's kind of off the wall when you think about it. For one thing, it features a lot of naked women. And that's always a plus for for me in my book um and call it redhead tits that's right and we see a lot of those different types of redheaded boobs throughout the <laughs> film you see the low armpit hanger like i said that they're <laughs> the the low hanging boobs that you can pinch in your armpits we see those in the beginning see some smaller boobs you see some uh lengthy nipples um it has a wide abundance of of beautiful n- naked women prancing around <laughs> throughout the film so that's never really a bad thing um, but also the, the craziness actually occurs because 
Miraglia melds those giallo and gothic styles together. I love the atmosphere in The Night Evelyn Came Out of the Grave. I love the castle setting. I think it's really cool. Um, almost to the point where I wish they had explored these areas just a little bit more. Like the grounds around the castle. Very intriguing. We do get a little bit of a idea of the landscape of it. But really, I it's... think that it's almost too shadowed. Like we don't see enough of how uh, the the um, grounds connect to the crypt. And then the other secret crypt that... Um, Alan has kept for his wife that no one else really knows about. Like it's, it's a secret crypt kept away from where Evelyn's supposed to be buried. Um, I think that like we, I like the moodiness of that setting, how, you know, there's a crypt right on premises and go over, to, <laughs> go over to it, check, just lift, lift gotta, up the, gotta, the yeah, tombs gotta, uh, cover and check it out and make sure she's still in there. Got a grave, yeah, gravekeeper. Yeah. I mean, I love the moodiness of it. I like that gothic style. I like all the, like, the candle lit areas, the, the ridiculous murals on all the walls. <laughs> Absolutely outrageous. Hired Michelangelo. <laughs> Uh, but just sit there and just, yeah, just I mean, you know, ping it. Yeah. I, I do love all that. And the, the, the gloomy nighttime scenes um, with all the rain and thunder. I think those are really good. I think it sets the mood for this film quite a bit. So I really enjoy that part of it. And I also really do like how the film combines that supernatural aspect where we're seeing kind of a ghostly phantom Evelyn popping up here and there, but also how it has those more shallow leaning moments where we are seeing from the killer's point of view and we're seeing a, you know, gloved man bringing a snake and <laughs> having it bite what someone on the back of the neck. What a fucking elaborate, you know, way to kill someone. Yeah, I mean, when you think especially, about... Especially when you're going to end up, like, burying the person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, instead of just, like, sneaking up and, like... Gr- garroting them like oh i got this fucking black mamba snake i you know brought in from india to stealthily sneak up by you know behind this guy to nip him on the neck and to have him overact for two minutes while he's writhing and retching you know yeah when you think about all those like like weird details within this film it becomes a little bit more interesting like those scenes where it seems like things are really playing out slowly and there's not much happening then you think about like this guy has been seducing women bringing them back to his castle and then like forcing them to sit on his like weird stirrups and whipping them and they're okay with it or like well they're getting paid they are getting paid. That's true. They, but they are, most women they are prostit- still wouldn't well, think like that, that most why, women would. Well, why the hell does he have a fucking, like, branding ironing down <laughs> yeah, exactly. there? And nobody, and not, and somebody doesn't look at that like, hmm. Yeah. I might want to leave. This, 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 this isn't worth the 500 This film has a lot of weird stuff going on like that. Um, there's a, a crazy amount of blonde, curly-headed maids that all look exactly the same. For no really good reason besides the fact that... Alan cannot bear to see anybody that may have red hair on the premises because it could be Evelyn. And he's his aunt is his fucking age. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and and she's a paraplegic 
and has a motorized wheelchair that is probably better than the wheelchairs we have now. It's better than that a, scoots along. That's better than like a four wheeler. That thing, that thing <laughs> is able to get through mud and snow and <laughs> sleet. The recent uh, blizzard wouldn't have stopped her. She wouldn't no, have it's putting, awesome. You know, punting down the street. Going I need to one of those wheelchairs. Yeah, no, like you're right. Like it's like weird little the things sheer like, amount like, of why, like, weird things like that. Like, why, just, why is you know why is that his aunt? They're the same age. Why is she there? Why is there four blonde maids? They all look the same. And it's just there because it's like exactly ooh. like ooh, isn't this like titillating? Yeah, like ooh, isn't this mysterious? It's yeah, exactly. And oh, people, you know, you could really see ooh, that. My, as... Ooh, my doctor sucks at his job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the thing too. This film is all about making sure that you have the, a, a good mental health doctor because things can really go sideways fast. <laughs> Because, like, you just gotta look at this, like... Well, it'll be hard now with Paul Ryan's plan. Right, well, yeah, it's true. <laughs> but, like, we'll have... You gotta take a look at, like, his doctor, Dr. Timberlane, who has been apparently following uh, Alan throughout his... Basically his life, who realizes he hasn't been right in a long time. Even before Evelyn died, he hasn't really been right. See, you know what? I didn't even realize until, like, after kind of looking it up that, like, that whole intro of him trying to escape the the asylum that that was before this movie i thought it like might have been like after watching this film and walking i thought that might have been like the like maybe like the end yeah i mean like, that well, is a well, really well, weird well at least before like the, the actual ending like but like halfway through the third act it's like so maybe like now like it's gonna end with like them putting him away and maybe yeah. there's some twist that you know yeah. it wasn't him they, they got away and now he's you know trapped in the asylum so it may, may you know had a little red herring there, but it's like, nope, that was, that was from the beginning, you know. I almost forgot about that scene because it really doesn't come up again. It has no bearing. Yeah, again, it doesn't, you don't, yeah. You don't need yeah. to show, show him running around the premise. Yeah, you don't, it's like, that's five minutes of the intro, just him running around trying to escape the asylum, grunting and moaning before some orderlies catch him, and then it's like, yeah. roll credits, you know, yeah. opening credits. and. I mean, I think that, yeah, like I said, this is a this is a warning for anybody who's got a, a really bad doctor because Doctor Timberlane is horrible, and I think maybe that's the case because uh, with uh, the amount of weird things going on in the night Evelyn came out of the grave, you may or may not supposed to suspect him in some way. Like you, I don't know if that's intentional or if it's really just the that there wasn't. They didn't pay much attention to how poorly they made this doctor look when Alan has, like, no control over his actions. He, um, at one point, just attempts to choke out his newly married wife, Gladys. Um, and then there's another scene where he just smacks her around on a bridge. Um, I mean, I think that that's an important part of this, too, is, like, the mental illness aspect of it because you, the film is really trying to mess with the viewer's mind too. Like you're not really supposed to know exactly where this is going or what is going on until the very end of the film. Um, I think that is part of the reason why the film does have its pacing issues because it's hesitant to show you all of that stuff that's going on. Like it doesn't, it doesn't want to divulge its secrets, and so... There's no, there's no real red herrings in yeah. this film. Which, but it's really hard to tell where it's going in general. Yeah, no, so, like, 
what you're left with while watching this film is either it's all Alan's doing, or it's somebody else. But you're never there's never enough evidence to like kind of point again. What I would say would point to the only one I would say throughout this entire film that it would point to would be the doctor, just because he's a shitty doctor. Yeah, and that comes across. And it's as almost bit. like he's not doing his job on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Um, other than that, like when you get to the twist, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I will agree that in general, there's not really enough clues to put together who could be doing this. Except for which, one which, scene. Which, 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 say, which, by the way, also, if you're going to do like a whodunit and have a twist, you have to have clues that lead to certain directions. Again, red herrings lead to certain people. So if you're going to make that twist impactful, then like that's how it has meaning. Like, oh, the evidence was there, but I was like, you know, it yeah. was subtly there, but then there was this other evidence I was looking at. If you have like barely no evidence, and it's just kind of, and then all of a sudden, like, ah, it was him all along. Then it's, you're like, oh, okay. You, then you feel you feel cheated because it's like, how was I supposed to, you know, figure that out? I still think I I like that that is not apparent in this film at all. Like you don't know where this is going. I did when I first watched this. I had no idea where it was going. It was like, okay, uh, now he's he's killing women. Now he's not. Uh, now he's married, he's okay, oh, now he's going crazy, he's seeing, you know, his wife everywhere, and his new wife is trying to figure out what the fuck's going on, she doesn't know what she married into. Um, they, they, they fucked and then they're like, uh, and that was it, and then, cause they got he, married in two days. Cause his doctor said, hey, you know, uh, <laughs> we know you're unbalanced, we know you're a little cuckoo, but you know what, you would fix that. Being married. Get remarried. Get remarried. Lock down some, lock down some pussy. Yeah. I just don't have it on the side. You doing that side stuff, that's what's making you go crazy. Have it on lockdown. There you go. Well, again, terrible message. And, like, then after he gets married, and, like, Glass is like, why is he do like, had this portrait up? And why is this happening? He's like, oh, yeah, he's, he, he's kind of unstable. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor didn't ch- warn before. Yeah. Didn't think about it. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that I, I mean, like, I do really like how you can't really tell where it's going. And I was going to say, you're going to say the one scene that you said gives the hint Well, to the end. I mean, there's a scene where, well, there's a couple actually where Alan's cousin is kind of celebratory over nothing. And I think that's probably the only scene where you really get kind of a hint. It's not even really apparent. But it's kind of a hint towards the later where he's in bed. Yes, I mean it's the it's the only real hint. Actually, it's really the only one that we see um, that character alone, like not with Alan. You know what I mean? Like other scenes are him with Alan, him with a character. But his I, whole motivation's stupid. Yeah, he was going to get the. He was the next inheritor anyway. Well, this is... Okay, so... I th- I think the biggest thing with... And we're talking about Alan's cousin. I think the biggest thing with that... Farley yeah. is his name. Which, by the way, I don't think was ever brought up. Farley? It was a little bit. Um, not... I'll tell you right now. I don't like it when movies say a name like once or twice and that... Especially if it's in another language. Say it once and that's it. And you're like... That guy, and you're like only going off like the relationship. <laughs> like he's his cousin's Cousin. brother's yeah. janitor. That's who that is. 
Well, I think that the biggest motivation for Farley was that he was not going to inherit anything until, um, until uh, Alan moved away to London, leaving the castle to him. However, that would not have left him any of the inheritance money. Now, though, Gladys gets all of the inheritance money because now Alan is in the mental asylum and he's married. It all goes to her. So well, no, because well, no, it's, it's said when he goes, to, he gets everything. She just gets to live off the benefit of the state, the estate. So like he would, he would own everything, but he she gets to live there and still get to. So it's still it. If it wasn't the case where if he had just moved off to London, you wouldn't you wouldn't have everything. You wouldn't have taken everything from Alan. You would only have like the estate part of it. Still, you wouldn't have all the money. It still doesn't make like any sense. It's not. It's. All and it's and really and supposed and to not, show is like, wow, look how fucking greedy this guy and not is. Only, I and, really, not, really... and not only that, because he's the one that was sleeping with Evelyn, too. Right. It's not like he was upset. Like he He's just an asshole. <laughs> he just was trying to ruin Alan's life. Which, okay, I, I guess we, we'll go into this now, because it's going to be hard dodging, is, yeah, d- dodging, it's, yeah. dodging this topic while trying to explain. We watched this movie in the English dub. Not the Italian dub. We tried for like five minutes, but again... It's an arrow video. Their subtitles suck. Color's awful. Just, just said the same thing with uh, Solange. Same thing here. You can't fucking read it. And with the backdrops that are present throughout the movie. So we watched the movie. And we also... An English, an English dub. And we also had the Italian subtitles on to kind of see the difference. And you could tell, by God. And this, this part's... Not Arrow's fault in this instance. The the dub in this film is awful. It's way way different than the Italian. And not only is it poorly done, the what they are saying doesn't like come as close to resonating to what the original intent of the script was and in an Italian. Yeah, and that's what f- fucks things up for this for me too. I I definitely think that the Italian. Origin the Italian dialogue is much better than the English dub dialogue because the Italian actually it it focuses more on like giving motivation and naming the characters who are like within the dialogue. Like sometimes there will uh, be times where they leave out the character's name in the English dub. But in the Italian subtitles, you see that they were referring directly to someone. And I think it's really important. It changes the, the context of the dialogue when they're the, it, within the English dub. I don't, I don't think they did a very good job with that English dub making sure that they translated the meaning, the meaning of what the Italian was saying. Because it does change the context of the film quite a bit. Especially the, the, the ending. When it's lacking what is in the Italian dialogue. The, the ending is totally botched because of that. Because the ending, we'll talk about the ending now. Is it, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And if you didn't hear from the intro, it's, what a beast. Yeah. Not just one, you two, you get two for, you know, two for your money in this That's one. That's right, exactly, um, you do, yeah. So, we think Alan snapped at the end and they drugged him to be taken off the asylum. Which, 
I, I want to say before we go into the actual conclusion, I do really like that ending where they fake Evelyn actually literally coming out of the grave. I think that's a really cool part of this film uh, where there's sort of that super, it, now, it, yeah, that's it where, combines that yeah. supernatural aspect. Like maybe there's a zombie or something like yeah. maybe Evelyn's really actually well, that's where undead. Well, that's where it's showing itself that it's not actually all the supernatural elements. They're bullshit. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really cool moment. Moody. I think, like, I just... And, and also, um, Blasphemous, too, in a way. Because they had to literally move Evelyn's dead body out of her tomb to do this mm-hmm. charade. And not only, not only... Well, not only that, because before you get to the twist ending of knowing it, you could almost read that as what I originally write it as... She's trying to snap him out of it. So it's, you know, it's her taking like a drastic measure to yeah try to push him. Yeah. To get, you know, to get him to kind of snap out of his neurosis. Um, but what we find out is it's not like, it's not that as Alan's getting carted off to the asylum. Cousin Farley and her have been, and I mean the whole time that... This was a big ruse after the uh, meeting to f- break down his will. Um, now that he's in the asylum of who's getting what, you know, Farley finds out he'll be getting the inheritance and the money and the state, and she'll be able to live off of it. You know, they go together to a cottage off in London to celebrate their witty, <laughs> you know, their witty charade. And and then what we find out is when we get there. And it's not even subtle about it at all when, like, they they go to celebrate by drinking champagne. And they clearly show you as she's kicking back the champagne. You see him right in the background just, like, looking at her, not even drinking it. I almost wish they were kind of more sly about that. I think the intention behind that was that that wasn't even supposed to be the twist in that part of the the, um, conclusion. You know what I mean? Like, it that he was drugging her was... Less of a twist than what happens after that, which is when they bring in Susie, who was the original prostitute who we think was killed at the beginning of the film and actually was not, was saved by Farley, who then took her under his wing to commit an even more, um, uh, like, I guess, a double crossing with Gladys uh, so that they could have the money rather than him and Gladys. Um, I think that, like you said, two twists, but I th- I really think there's three because yeah, yeah. there's that reveal that, oh, it's been Farley and Gladys all along. But then at the cottage, there's the reveal that, nope, it's actually been Farley and Susie all along. And then after that, it's nope, Alan's not dead or Alan's not in a mental asylum. They faked that whole thing and they did it just to trap, uh, trap Farley even though they probably shouldn't have because they, they could have saved two women in the yeah. process. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, what a, yeah, what a terrible... Not only that, like, how does Farley know from, from his plan of drugging Gladys and Susan being there that she would, like, find a knife that was lying around the step and kill him and so then he can walk away like, now you both get nothing, I that, get it all. That, I think, was a happy if, accident if, for him. <laughs> because even in the film, he... And I think, again, this is a translation issue. Um... In the Italian dub, he says something like, this is very funny. 
Now <laughs> I get all of this or something like that. In the English dub, he says uh, something like... Go on, stab her again. Yeah, go on, stab her again. This is great for me or something like that. Um, so I think it was a happy accident that that actually occurred. I don't think he really meant... He, he may have been planning on killing Susie later, but I don't think he meant for uh, them both to die in the same same room. And that still doesn't explain, though. Why would he... Why would he kill... Well, no, I guess now that I think about it, it does. Why would he kill the ant? Why would he kill Alberto? Well, he killed Albert... I think because he was he was getting too close to uh, knowing about the other situation. Like he would he knew about the women that were coming to the castle, so he didn't want him to know about Susie being alive. So I think it maybe like have been a cover up sort of thing. It 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 doesn't make any sense from the standpoint because he's it's already been directly stated he's the next inherited in line. So it's not like they were going to cut in you know. Right from him, so to me, like makes no sense that. Yeah, I think I do think the motivations are a little weird. Like um, I think that some of the kills are in here just for that purpose, you know, to kind of space out that the dialogue heavy moments with a murder, and you know, give it a stylish twist. Like, really, was it necessary for um, Aunt Agatha to have to be? fed to foxes no probably not but it's kind of cool in its own little way that 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 happened i think that's probably where that comes in but but what we were talking about with the italian dub or the italian subtitles and watching the english dub is that the the big thing that changes in that final scene when um alan and dr timberlane confront farley about the um the whole scheme is that in the Italian version, we definitely know that it was Farley who was having an affair with Evelyn and also somehow caused her death. Whereas in the English... He, from what I read from like a plot synapses online, it's because he killed her because she wouldn't leave him. In the English dub, that's not there at all. There is no explanation about Evelyn whatsoever. It's all it is. is like, we got you. We trapped you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It was just that the, the whole thing in the English dub is just that they knew that this was all uh, a ruse by Farley and Gladys, and they were there to stop Farley. That That's it. You get no explanation about Evelyn. You don't know anything about Evelyn's death besides what has been told to you previously, which is that she died because of childbirth. And the whole thing about them, like, even figuring it out, like, doesn't come through and make sense just because, the, again, the whole dialogue is just like, it's like, oh, you're supposed to assume, like, oh, they, like, you know, oh, they figured out that it was all a ruse. There's yeah. nothing there that would, like, hint to them that would be a ruse. Yeah. I think that, um, like, this film could have used a lot more, uh, padding at the end of the film rather than the abrupt <laughs> yeah there's definitely an abrupt ending to this film where they're carting farley off and it ends it is literally like a swelling of of uh the soundtrack they're carting him off and then whoop, that's it the end <laughs> have a good night we'll see <laughs> we'll see you later go on home think about it think about greed um, yeah, I think that they could have absolutely added some, 
um, more like plot and development to how they figured out that this was happening. I know I realize that they want to keep Alan's mental breakdown a secret, like that it didn't actually happen. They want to keep that a secret. But I it get did, that. But it but did it, though. What? But it did though. He is mentally unstable. He is, but I I think but that he didn't actually have the mental breakdown in the bog like we saw. Like that was a scheme again that they made that up. I think that that I, they wanted to keep that a secret, which I understand. But I do think that we needed something like how Dr. Timberlane figured out, like, oh, I think Gladys is up to something. Or I think Farley's up to something. We don't really know why or how or what happened to make them figure that out. Because whenever we see Farley interacting with Alan, he's like, good old chap! Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. it's another thing. Yeah, the the dub is, like, stereotypical, like, chip fish and chips, chip, 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 you know? Yeah, yeah, Especially Farley is just like, oh, you say, old bean, you know? Yeah. Could have been the guy, you know, the... Brother from the fucking mummy, you know, like, oh, you know, heaven, let's run away. Oh, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's run away, Brendan Fraser. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I do think that they, it definitely requires a little bit more of that. But I, de- I do like that craziness, that that finale, that kind of, it just lets everything loose. And it just kind of, like, you have the whole showdown between the two women. Great. I, I love, I think. I think it plays you out like a little... It, you like his boob pops out. That is funny. <laughs> I, you got to admit that's funny that uh, Miraglia is, is like trying to work in pretty much at any time. Like, when can I get a boob to fall out? Uh, all right, she's been stabbed a couple of times. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, like, tit flopped out. Like, yeah. <laughs> that is absolutely, like, one of his motivations in here. Like, when... Because pretty much uh, there is a naked woman on screen almost the entire time. Gladys is almost constantly naked in some way. Like, her she's clo- wearing... Yeah. Her clothing makes no sense for England. Yeah. She's just wearing, like, like a curtain... Like you said, a curtain around her, and that's basically it. Just, like, all... Yeah, it's just, like, something draped over, like, her nipples, and then, like, her crotch, and it's like, oh, it's a nice, balmy 40 out here in London. Exactly. What a wonderful and day to be wearing constantly nothing. wearing, like, a... Like well, a Y-cut <laughs> shirt that goes all the way down to her belly button cut open as you said oh, i'm gonna wear this robe but i'm not even gonna, like you know do what a robe's for like tie it up and like no i'm just naked robe and, yeah like, here's my boobs exactly i mean, I, th- I think Maraglia is working that in wherever possible got it i mean lovely women throughout obviously um but yeah i like in that final scene there is absolutely he was definitely trying to think of ways like well if she wears a shirt <laughs> That's kind of like a button at the top of her neckline. Then maybe it'll they could probably <laughs> pop open when she's trying to crawl away. Her tit flops out. There's blood on it. So there's that combination of sexuality and like death that horror movies love to see. Um, yeah, but I do like that scene. I think it's I I think it's a little overplayed because you have Gladys dying actively for like five minutes after she's. <laughs> She's uh, had strychnine. Um, yeah, by the way, which makes no sense. Like, she's, like, drinking that champagne that's laced with it. And it's like, Ugh, I have another. <laughs> Don't tell me you've never done that before. Not- <laughs> I'm feeling very shitty. Give me another one. Yeah. But, no, but it makes no sense because it's just champagne. She just had, like, a little, you know. All of a sudden, like, I feel like I'm dying. I'll have another. Yeah. It's it's totally different when you're like eight shots in. And you're like, I feel like I'm gonna throw up. Like another. <laughs> yeah, make, to make sure it comes up. Yeah, that 
scene is a little overplayed with the strychnine and the multiple stabbings and things like that. And, and this film is really one of those that emphasizes, like, active dying and the... Yes. And, like, the... Yes. Grabbing at the throat and... Again, Albert. Lengthy when de- he gets death nipped scenes. in the neck by the snake, he's sitting there for two minutes, retching and clutching and just... <laughs> yeah. And how like how is the grave digger when, like... When Farley, which we don't know at the time, throws him in the grave and starts shoveling dirt on the poor bat. He's sitting there moaning. The grave, like, Digger walks by to, like, grab a shovel. You don't even hear the guy, like, moaning and shit. He just walks back away and then, like, and, you know, Farley goes back scooping some more dirt on him. And, like, and he starts, you I just I find it comical. Just it is it is comical. There's uh, many comical scenes. The nut like, shot. Yeah, the nut shot when. Um, you ever notice how in like a movie, like when like a bad guy's about to get caught, there's always something nearby they can grab and yeah. like, like just jab. At, this was some, like a giant stick. That was yeah, a timber piece of timber that's laying around um, that he can shove into Doctor Timberlane's dick. I get it. That's a good one. Yeah, timber and timber. His timber. <laughs> and um, there's also that scene um, where uh, I'm forgetting who it was now. <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> um, but the, the, oh, well, there's that that scene that um, when Gladys is stabbing Susie, and it looks like he, she stabs her right in the vagina. Yeah, that's that's what I said. That's it's a brutal like... brutal scene. I, apparently, it was in the leg and like the thigh area, it but it definitely lo- looks like it looked goes. Like she just went. Yeah, like, right in the right in the the twat area. Yeah, they saw Solange. Like we gotta do that. Yeah, even, though, they, even though this came up before, right? Um, was it Solange this like was, before? Yeah, I think. It, yeah, I think it was probably before. This one was before. Um, but yeah, so there are definitely some funny scenes in it. Um, one thing that we haven't talked about that I did want to talk about real quick um, is the soundtrack, which. It certainly is of the time. Uh, there's a lot of that sort of, like, porno-esque, like, gu- fuzzy guitar. I love the one scene just at the random bar. Strip club. Strip club, yeah. Coming out of the coffin. Like, who goes to... Like, maybe I'm just... Like, I would go to that. I know you would. You, like, just like, like, oh, yeah, she's going to come out of a coffin, you know, stripping. Blow out two candelabras. Yeah. I love it. Sexy. And then, but they got a band playing, and it's like, oh my god, this is so 70s. They're like, playing a 70s, like, like funk song, wah, like, wah, 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 wah. Fu- heavy on the fuzz guitar and band, like, boom, 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 yeah. boom, 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 it's boom, awesome. Boom, boom. But I th- I do like the rest Wait. of the soundtrack, the uh, because, I don't know if you noticed, but a lot of times it's a little bit noisy, like a little emphasizing the sound effects, a lot of, like, um, atonal noise, um... I also re- I do like like the kind of I don't know it's it's a little goofy but the angelic like Evelyn's theme. Um, no, I don't, I don't think it's. I goofy. think it's, I, like I said that to me is like very seventies like this this very, style. Well, it's a very Italian, Italian yeah, Ita- very Italian flashback. Yeah, this, but I, I, I they always have to have again. 
It's not just like Ducky Sucker. If you think like Once Upon a Time in the West, and they do like little flashback scenes. Yeah. If it's not Harmonica, who's you know having like his harmonica theme playing for his sad, it's you know the. Yeah. Uh, it's just something I've accepted to be part of. The... It is. Yeah. You just have to accept it, and you either you gotta have like that, it or you don't. You gotta have the dichotomy. That's right. They, Italian films love their contrast. They, they do. They, it's got to be. Why it's, it's why there's a heavy <laughs> dose of red. Again, this film has a lot of red. Yeah, a lot of vibrant colors. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Freaking Alan's wardrobe looks like <laughs> spring catalog out of J.C. Penny, 1971. Fucking, he's a preening peacock in this with his bright crimson pea coats and pants and robin eggs blue blazer and button up good lord i wish i had that wardrobe you could you very well could <laughs> all right so uh out of 10 strychnine laced <laughs> champagne glasses what would you give the night evelyn came out of the grave um probably six six out of ten six out of ten um I I did think it was entertaining, even though I thought it was kind of poorly paced. I didn't; it wasn't a bore to watch. Um, I think the main problem with the film is it's just there's too much going on with not enough real explanation, or not just so much explanation, but hints that or in, evidence and clues that you know. Yeah, it's not. You're, Films like this, they don't need to lead you to the answer. There's got to be things there if you don't get to the answer that it'll make sense at the end. Because again, if it doesn't at the end, then the film's basically throwing you a fuck you. It's like, you watch this, but you're not really understand what's going on because we don't really have anything to give you. Yeah. Um, I think overall, the acting in this film, even in the English dub and just kind of watching the mannerisms, it's bad. No one's really good in this film at yeah, all. Yeah, it's not really that. Yeah. It's it's not well. And the English dub just makes it worse. Um, but I will say, I mean, I think the concept is intriguing. I think if it... I think mainly if they just hammered out the story better. Got it to, like, focus on certain beats better. And certain points better. It would be a much better overall film. That, I think, would even save its pacing issues if it just had more things to go off of than just some things happen and some things are just there because, oh, we just want it there. Um, and th- that ending is kind of annoying. Just like, oh, we found out it's trick. Yeah, we're going to dump you in the fucking pool and then we're going to dump fertilizer in there and yeah. you're gonna, you know, you're going to come crawling out yelling, I'm burning, I'm burning, then get carted off. And it's just like, end. Yeah, that is a very it's, abrupt ending. It's even for a Jalo film like this. It's just like, yeah. like oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it is. But yeah, I would I probably say six. I mean, I don't think the soundtrack anything really sticks out to me. Um, I will say at times it's kind of all over the place. Yeah. Um, like in a Death Wish two sense, but I don't think it's overbearing. It no, it does. Even though it's all over the place, it does know when to hit those. And it, those, those it has it has um a reoccurring theme like i said like yeah. evelyn's theme is recurring yeah. And- um yeah 
Okay. All right. I think I would give it an eight, and that's partially nostalgia. I really do enjoy a lot of the um, the different things that are happening in this film. I think it's really crazy, and I I'm kind of into that. I I in some senses I wouldn't necessarily like how like off the wall and over the top it is. Like it sometimes it doesn't stick to its theme very well. Um, and it just kind of does its own thing for a lot of the plot. But I think it really comes together better in that last, in that third act. Um, I'm not saying that it's perfect by far. I don't think that it does give you enough information to put together who the actual killers are. Or even know, like, the motivations behind why they're doing it. Besides that they are pretty awful people. Because they have to be in order to... Well, there's to, no like, one likable in this film. No, right. There's not, really. I mean, they're, they're kind everyone, of... Everyone in this film is a literal scumbag. Yeah, I mean, and I I don't know if that's really... I think that's the intention. I mean, I don't really think you're really supposed to like many of these people. I think you're supposed to... Actually, I think you're supposed to like Farley for most of the time. Like, you're supposed to be like, oh, he's kind of a... He's kind of a nice guy. Like, he's not really in it for the money. He's not... You know, he doesn't really care that he's not gonna be getting the the castle right now he's 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 an okay dude um and then that's kind of dropped on you later on and i think you're supposed to like gladys a little bit too because you're supposed to think that she's trying to figure out no well she's stupid too because she is yeah yeah because the guy says i want to marry you and she she's like why he's like so i can bed you so they fuck and then she he's like i want to marry you yeah and yeah. she's like, oh, I thought you were kidding. That's true. And then she's like, why don't we have coffee? And what she ended up doing? She ends up fucking marrying him anyway. Well, so that, so like the, the sympathy kind of goes out the window cause because it's, it's like you got to be marrying for money. That's that's a that's a Vegas shotgun wedding. Yeah. It's like, it's, yeah. and you're not drunk. You 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 signed up for this. That's true. And so when the doctors, you're like, man, a lot of crazy things are going on. This portrait's kind of creepy. And who is Evelyn? And you know. It's kind. Of, it's hard to sympathize just because it's, especially now at the end when it's like, oh, she was in on it too. But it's like, so that's probably why she did. That's why she probably married him because she was in on the plot all along. But even if she say, even if she wasn't in on it, like if you find out at the end she wasn't even in on, in on the whole scheme to do this, it was all just Farley's doing. She's still like an idiot. Yeah. She's she's still like an unlike unlikable just because she's like. It's it's not like she's unlikable because she fucked Alan. It's unlikable because she's like, okay, I'll marry you. Yeah. 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 It's obviously for money. That's just you know stupid. That's like that's the same kind of stupidity from like Solange, where after the wife finds out that you know he was fucking some one of his students, and but after he gets you know she's pissed off about, but after she gets attacked, she's like, okay. Actually, it's fine. Yeah. No, it's okay. No, no. I want to make this work. Yeah. That's yeah. like, oh, that's so stupid. You know. That's true. It is the same. Um, but even so, I, I really, I think that it does come together better in the end. I like a few of those scenes. I think it's really moody. It's really atmospheric. And I do like that. Um, and uh, overall, I, I just think that it's a, it's, it can be fun if you watch it in the right mindset. Um, or it could also be really slow depending on how you're, you know, how you want to take that. Um but I think look for that craziness that's that's happening, and you may not even recognize it at the time when you're watching it. You may not even see like it's kind of weird, you know. It they, not not everything pops out to you as being weird right all at once. Like I, I mean, I don't know how much you would notice 
that all the maids look the same. I mean, you do. You notice in a way, but I think, like, if you're not totally yeah. thinking about it, you're well, not they, like... Eh. Well, they point that out, though. They do. They do a little bit. Like, they just say that they're all blonde. But I just... I think it's, like... It's just a weird detail that I... They, when you dwell on it, you're like, eh, it's a weird, you know, it's a weird thing that, that occurs. I just kind of like those details in The Night Evelyn Came Out of the Grave. I know it's not for everyone. It's definitely not going to be... And it's not something that I would recommend to, like, everyone. Like, so if I was to meet someone at a party and like, oh, you like horror movies too? <laughs> oh, The Night Evelyn Came Out of the Grave is be for you. It's probably pro- probably not something that I would come out, like, right away and be like, I just met you. I'm going <laughs> to offer this film as the first thing that I'm recommending you watch. No. But I think that for people who are really interested in like horror cinema and especially the Giallo films, this is a lesser known film that I would certainly um, give to people who who like that that sort of style. Especially even though that it's not it's definitely not perfect, but in its own way, it's kind of, it's it's a fun little excursion from the normal Giallo or the normal Gothic because. And you think about it, like Hammer horror films are absolutely not perfect. A lot of them are very, no, no, very, I, very slow. No, just, just like Night Evelyn came well, out. Well, no, I know because I love yeah. Hammer horror films. Yeah, I, one simply for the fact, like with the Dracula series, you get Peter Cushing and fucking Christopher Lee. Right, right? but that, no, you're right because like the first one, like Hammer horror film and Dracula, you can be like, well, Jesus, because that's an abrupt ending. Yeah, where you have you know, Dra- yeah. he, you know, <clears throat> Cushing beats Christopher Lee, and then it's like. And it's just, you know, done. Yeah. You know, I, I, no, I get that. But You're definitely um, going to view them in a different way than you would, like, a, a film now. You, you They're just, there's just not that same style at all. So it's, it's a little bit different. Like, an, like, a, like, if Guardians of the Galaxy 2 came out and just, like, ends with, like, <laughs> just, like, well, we beat, you know, so-and-so. And, it's like, and then just end. <sighs> credits on top of yeah. the picture yeah well like at the end of batman v superman it was, wasn't like oh, at superman's funeral it's just like well superman's dead <laughs> and we beat doomsday roll credits yeah and <laughs> that's it no yeah it's definitely a different era of film different different style of filmmaking um i will say i'm Really interested. I do have it, but I've never seen it. I do want to watch Miraglia's other film, The Red Queen Kills Seven. We'll do that next time. You want to do that? Yeah. All right. Let's do that, and we might as well make a. We are a Jello podcast, or that's, supposed to be inspired. That's by... right. Yeah, we'll do that it's, next it's time. The same. It's mainly my suggestions that lead us off the beaten path with things like yeah, cats and dogs, and <laughs> that's the uh, that's the the second part of the Killer Dames collection that Arrow released. So we'll watch that next time, and we'll kind of like. Uh, Compare and contrast and see see how that's different. That was a year after the night Evelyn came out of the grave, so it'd be interesting to see how that changes. Um, it was also rated PG at the time, so I, I don't know. Like that again was a different time where there was no like PG thirteen either. It was well, you, uh, a you, know, P, you get a PG well, or you get an R. Well, and, you can thank Spielberg for that one. Yeah, PG thirteen. Yeah, because the temple of New. Yeah, right. Exactly. That was when it was introduced. But like, so- you ever you ever see the movie, um, the documentary? This uh, this film's not yet rated. No, you should watch it. It's great. It's about interesting. Like, it's about no, like it's- the ratings board and stuff, and it's, yeah. they got like filmmakers on there saying like it's a bunch of bullshit. Like they got Kevin Smith on there talking about like how he has to go back and recut like his film because they'd be like. Oh, we got an X ring for this, but he's like, "How come this fucking film got you know this yeah. rating here?" Yeah, I think I think it's it might still be on Netflix. Interesting. Watch check it. it out. It's really good. Yeah. 
All right, so next week we're going to do the Red Queen kill seven times. We didn't really have a, uh, a film for next week because we do know that the week after we'll be covering um, Ghost in the Shell, the new live action film with Scarlett Johansson where she's uh, practically naked and I'm excited for that. Uh, <laughs> but we'll be covering that the week after next, so stay tuned for that. Um, I'm actually kind. Of, I'm actually pretty excited. I'm getting excited for it. Yeah, well, I, I do want to see it. As a, as a fan of the franchise, I think this film's going to be bad. But at the same time, uh, from watching the trailers, it's gotten me on the hype train just because it's like, even if it is, which from the looks of it, it does almost look like it's going to be a shot for shot remake of the original, except with probably forty. Because as we reviewed on the podcast, the, first, the original anime is only eighty minutes long. Yeah. So, no fucking film these days, especially if it's coming out as, like, an action film in Hollywood. It's going to be fucking 80 minutes long. It's going to be two hours plus. So, I got a feeling it's going to be almost a shot-for-shot remake, but they're going to add, like, 40 minutes of, like, filler of, like, character development. That's probably going to borrow from... The manga. And the the Ghost in the Shell series. Some of the other series, yeah. And then twist it and Americanize it. It's only got a PG thirteen rating, so they can't go. Uh, can't go too. Uh, yeah, deep. Yeah. And not only, not only that, God forbid they like dive into like you know they're not they're not gonna dive into like the philosophical aspect of like Ghost in the Shell. Like, yeah, most likely not. It's just it's, like I said, it's not gonna be like. I'm not actually human. I'm a robot designed cyborg, but I have, con- you know, I can think and stuff. Does that mean I have a consciousness? Am I a real life? No, it's just probably going to end up being like, oh, I'm an android. I'm mean, a human that's got, you know, attachment. I mean, not an android. I mix them up. Cyborg. She's a cyborg, not an android. Whatever. <laughs> Beside the point. Yeah. I think you can follow where I'm going on that little thought thread, but. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. So I think we were planning on doing that in two weeks. Um,. And we'll do the Red Queen kill seven times next week. And then after that, Oops. I have no idea. It's a mystery. Maybe we'll do another video game. Right Does, yeah, who knows? Maybe <laughs> we will. Maybe we'll do The Witcher 3. I'm not far enough. I still don't feel like I'm far enough into that to no, even you gotta do beat, it. No, you got to beat it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even close. So. I know. Well, you got you to beat it before you I'm can. just marching around doing Gwen. What's wrong with Gwen? Nothing, except when it's all luck-based. It's not luck-based, it's skill-based. No, it's not. You gotta build your deck. You can't just have, like, 30 cards in your deck. You gotta can't build it all willy-nilly. The key is, you gotta get it down to, like, the smallest number deck that you can. No, I know. I, I totally understand, but when you don't get a... When you don't get a spy card, you don't get a spy card. Well, and then the other guy gets six spy cards, and... What the fuck? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... Um, We'll be figuring out what we're doing in the coming weeks on the next episodes. So stick with us. Thanks for listening to this one. Um, now for some administration stuff. You can check us out on um, our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Like us on there. Uh, we do post updates occasionally, uh, especially with our new episodes. You You can find us on iTunes, which is probably where you're listening right now. Um, just search for us there, Blood and Black Rum Podcast. All of our episodes are up there. We really appreciate it if you would subscribe and give us a nice review. Um, that really helps us out to get new listeners. We're also on Stitcher, um, SoundCloud, pretty much anything else that you can listen to podcasts on. We're on it. So if you can leave us a review, please do so. 
We really appreciate it. We're on Twitter at blood and black rum. And, uh, I do post on there quite a bit. So if you, uh, would help us out with any retweets or anything like that, we really appreciate it. Um, and we're on, um, Patreon as well, which you can, uh, subscribe to and also, uh, send us some money, um, to help us with our expenses for the podcast. Um, this is a monthly base subscription. So you would pay whatever you plan to, um, donate every month. And we do have a number of different things that we offer, uh, for your donation. So check that out. Um, and, uh, if you can help us out, we really do appreciate it. It, It'll help us keep us running and, uh, help us with our podcast, um, fees. And, uh, we don't make any money with this right now. So anything helps. And so we appreciate that. Um, you can email us at blood and black rum podcast at gmail.com. We, uh, accept any sort of film recommendations. You can let us know what you want us to, to cover on the next episodes and we'll try to get to it. Uh, when we get our time in, um, we don't have anything planned. We'll try to incorporate those movies into the, the, uh, episodes. Um, so let us know, contact us, tell us what you like about the podcast, what you don't like and, uh, whatever you don't like, we're just going to ignore. So, (laughs) um, all right. So catch us next week. Um, normally airs on Thursdays. We're going to be covering the red queen kills seven times. So it's going to be another similar uh, similar film uh, as The Night Evelyn Came Out of the Grave. So if you like this one, come back next week for that. Thanks for listening. Have a good week.